0: Good evening. I'm Dr. Emmett Brown. I'm standing on the parking lot at Twin Pines Mall. It's Saturday morning, October 26, 1985, 118 a.m. And this is temporal experiment number one.
1: Hi, I'm Kasim Gaines, author of We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy. Hi, I'm Jason Aaron, director of the brand new Back to the Future documentary Back in Time, and you are tuned in with Dehydrate Level 4.
0: Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom,
1: you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. And I'm your host, Phoenix. And today, we are reviewing Back to the Future, the 1985 comedy adventure directed by Robert Zemeckis, stars Michael J. Fox, Claudia Wells, Leah Thompson... Christopher Lloyd, Thomas F. Wilson, and Crispin Glover. A young man is accidentally sent 30
0: years into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean invented by his friend, Dr. Emmett Brown, and must make sure his high school-age parents unite in order to save his own existence. Alright, let's get it.
1: So we're finally here. Back to the Future Part One uh, came out over thirty years ago. The podcast Hydrate Level Four is obviously a line that is uh, mentioned in Part Two. I think people that have been following us for some time now know that we're uh, big fans. But um, this this year being twenty fifteen and uh, you know reaching to this point, how have you felt? Uh, how I felt. Specifically about what like like feature day, you know how it just came up. I I don't know how was it a thing at school? Did did it come up at all, or was was it kind of non-existent with your generation? It wasn't really brought up a lot. There was a few times where a teacher might have said something and I caught it. Nothing nothing too big. Okay, so yeah, generational. So I guess about your age now, it's kind of just old classic movie probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not not a lot of people have been talking about it. Well, um. So Future Day, Al B from the Quantum Leap podcast, but also uh, the other host of the uh, Back to the Future, the animated series podcast. Uh, we recently reviewed Back in Time, the documentary uh, directed by Jason Aaron, who uh, I got to interview. Well, um, coming up, we will be doing an episode where we're going to kind of discuss what we did on Future Day. And also him and I, we will be talking about the toys and collectibles that we've been uh, buying this year because it's 2015. So, but you and I, we're finally going to get into the review and, uh, you know, we've been waiting for a long time. So the idea of this um, release was supposed to fall on October 26th, the first time somebody has ever time traveled, uh, which was uh, Einstein. You know, if you are listening to it on the day it releases, it's been 30 years since in the movie, Einstein, uh, the dog, has first time traveled. Uh, Phoenix, what is your history with this movie?
0: With this movie, looking back, uh, I remember watching it every now and then, but never really understanding the basis of the movie until uh, growing up. And this has always been when you were watching the movie, maybe it came on online, or uh, on TV, and I would just watch it. But um, up until maybe a few years ago, I would actually understand that it's uh, it's about time travel and everything like that. Um, yeah, I probably watched it maybe like
1: three or four times each. Yeah, this movie I grew up watching. I didn't watch the first one in the theater because I was still pretty young. But I do remember, you know, I've I've told this, I think, on like two, at least two other episodes that we've done. Uh, Maybe you weren't on them, but um, I used to record the audio on a VHS. No, 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 I'm sorry, on a cassette tape. And I would listen to just the dialogue going going to bed. Uh, I, this is, you know, a huge movie for me. This is, I tell people that this is my Star Wars so I wasn't a huge Star Wars fan. I like the movies, but this is what I was all about growing up. Um, so we're not going to go really scene by scene. I think a lot of people have seen this movie. So what we're going to kind of do is kind of go by chapters, you know, uh, as the way it is shown on, you know, the DVD and the Blu-ray. So we're going to kind of go by the chapters and we're going to kind of bring up anything that, you know, you and I want to bring up, you know, our thoughts on certain things. So um, we'll just go ahead and dive into it. But the opening of the movie starts off with this long panning shot of Doc Brown's garage. Uh, what are some things that you kind of noticed in this scene? There are a lot of clocks. A lot of clocks, yep. He uh, is probably obsessed with time. Mm-hmm. Um, you notice anything on one of the clocks?
0: There's a man hanging from an hour clock.
1: Yeah, one of them. It's uh, it actually appears to be a picture. I don't think it's an actual clock. I could be wrong, but um, it's actually it's kind of foreshadowing, but it's not Doc, which is a common uh, misconception. But it's uh, the actor Harold Lloyd from the movie Safety Last, and you know, it's a black and white silent film. Uh, no relation to Christopher Lloyd, but it was just kind of a nice Easter egg, you know. Blinking, you miss it. A lot of people missed it. Um, you know, for. For many years, you know, possibly decades, yeah. It's just one of those things that it's it's kind of it's kind of nice to see if you do catch it. But some some other things you see, I don't know if you ca- caught any of the like a uh, newspaper clippings in his house specifically. There's one that says Brown Mansion destroyed. There's a rumor where people think that Doc possibly burnt down his own mansion for like a, a an insurance scam. You know, to use the money to buy parts to to make the DeLorean, mm-hmm. you know, the time machine, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, I'm not saying whether or not it's true, but what, what do you think? Does I mean it makes sense though, right?
0: It does make sense, but I'm not sure if Doc would well, no, that sounds about right.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's kinda of crazy enough that he probably could have done something like that. I mean, because when he goes back into the past, we see the mansion and we see the garage, and then in nineteen eighty five all we see is the garage and that's all he lives in now. But uh what do you think about some of his inventions in his in his garage?
0: Um, they look homey.
1: Homey? Homemade. Uh, like homemade yeah very practical stuff that you can just buy right somewhere yeah I I do like uh, looking at his inventions because they look very organic you know things that uh he took apart he would take these pieces and then you know build other things so he's very creative and he's got a lot of uh, cool looking inventions it kind of takes me back to like uh Wayne zielinski you know from um honey I shrunk the kids mm-hmm. yeah like like his shrink ray it, it, it looks very homemade, and that's what I appreciate about Doc's inventions. Um, the TV comes on, and there's the news about uh, plutonium being missing. Uh, this is something that a lot of people know that plutonium is uh, what Doc uses for that 1.21 gigawatts, you know, for time travel. Mm-hmm. But in here, we learned that uh, the Libyan, the, the Libyans, they're missing plutonium. So we then we uh, we finally get to meet Marty. He comes in. Uh, you know, he sees like the bowl of dog food, uh, just building up. So obviously, Doc hasn't been there for a while. Where do you think Doc is at this mo at this point?
0: Honestly, I'm not sure exactly where Doc could be.
1: Possibly finishing up on like last touches of the time machine, or
0: right. But even so, I'm still wondering where he would be.
1: He couldn't be in the parking lot uh, at the mall at this time, right? Because it's in the morning. No, yeah, that would cause suspicion. Yeah, yeah. could kind of a uh, interesting question though. So Marty walks over to an extremely large amp, and he has, like, a tiny little guitar, almost like the size of a ukulele. Do you have any thoughts on this scene at all, like, what this is about?
0: I was wondering, actually, if that amp was actually, like, a a real thing. Like, it looked ridiculously big.
1: Well, um, I don't know if it's a real thing. I think it would be very dangerous if it was a real thing, but I think what this is supposed to tell us is Doc is very eccentric, and... He does things to the nth degree, and maybe that's why, like this, uh, the speaker is just so large. Marty turned up the volume really loud. I don't. He did, he did, and then, like uh, later on, Doc calls and and says, you know, to be careful with uh, the with, with the amp, you know, to not turn it up too loud. But uh, here we find out that Doc asks Marty to meet him at Twin Pines Mall later on tonight at 1:15 a.m. And then, uh, then the clocks go out. And then Doc, I don't know why he asked if uh, Marty was at his place. You know, is that, is that my clocks I hear? You know, I think it's the line he says. But Doc called the house, did he not? The garage? Yeah.
0: Well, Doc's not always in his right mind.
1: I, I guess not. But uh, apparently there's some kind of experiment he's been working on and Marty is about 25 minutes late to school. And then we kick off with the song Power of Love. Um, what do you think of this song? Do you like it? Yeah, I think it goes very well with the title. Do you, okay, so you've seen this like a handful of times. Do you think the song uh, would get old for you? I mean, because I know you didn't grow up listening to this song, but I did. And I feel like the song still works. Like anytime I hear it, I, I associate it with Back to the Future.
0: Right. That's what I do think. Um, You know, whenever I hear it, it does go with Back to the Future. But I don't think it really, if I had to listen to it over and over and over again, it might get old every now and then, but it's not too bad.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we so Marty gets to the school, and then he runs into uh, Jennifer, who is in the hallway, and she apparently she knows he was late because she was waiting on him, probably, and mentions that uh, if Strickland, the principal, sees him, that going to be his fourth tardy in a row. So Marty is somebody who doesn't really have a sense of time, I guess, because this is now going to be his fourth tardy. But uh, they run into Strickland, and Strickland calls him a slacker. Apparently, a line or a uh, a term of endearment that he calls everybody. Uh, what would you think about the principal? Where is he, the principal? Strickland, yeah, Principal Strickland. Mm. Cause he he uh, Marty even calls him that in part two in the alternate
0: eighty-five. Oh, that's right. Um, I I didn't think too much of him. Just, just a staff member. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So during this talk, Strickland mentions that he has seen that Marty and his band signed up for the uh, play for the school dance. And um, Strickland's telling him, you know, why even bother? Because no McFly, you know, has amounted to anything, you know, in the history of Hill Valley. And then Marty has that, you know, yeah, well, history's going to change. So we see Marty. He is uh, playing for the Pinheads, which is uh, his band. And they're playing Power of Love. Did you think there was anything wrong with his playing?
0: The first few times watching it, no, not really. But this time, this viewing for the this specific review, uh, I was trying to listen carefully, and I forgot. But there was something that was a little off about the song, but I just forgot because this is the second time we were recording this.
1: Yeah. Um. Another Easter egg in this scene is the the gentleman who with the uh m- megaphone, you know, who says you're playing too darn loud. Mm-hmm. That's the singer of the of the actual song. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so he gets. Well, we're we're to assume that you know he doesn't quite make it, and this kind of discourages him. And then, like him and Jennifer, they have this talk afterwards. And um, Jennifer's telling him that yeah, he still needs to send in his demo tape, regardless, because you you just never know. Uh, we get a little van in the background here. It's a uh, Mayor Goldie Wilson. You know, little campaign going on to reelect him as mayor. So just a, a little Easter egg there. You know, uh, again, if you, if you miss it you don't really get the payoff later on but um a couple of other things in the scene marty sees a uh, a black toyota 4x4 um any thoughts on the truck there did it look cool at all
0: uh t- trucks don't really
1: not a big fan of trucks
0: no they don't strike me as cool
1: yeah apparently they're supposed to be going to the lake pretty soon you know jennifer uh you know she asks him if he even asked you know his mom yet which He's like, well, no, of course not. You know, if my mom find out, found out, she'd trip, basically. So we find out that Marty is kind of keeping his relationship kind of under wraps, not really keeping it a secret, but kind of keeping things from his mom. So they're about to kiss, and then they get interrupted by this lady who has, like, a, a can trying to collect money to uh, preserve the clock tower. So we get to see the clock tower, and we find out that it hasn't been working since... uh. For about 30 years, and a uh, lightning struck it, and so now it does not work. We didn't get to see the clock tower when we went to Hollywood recently. Mm. Do you remember seeing it ever? No, I don't. Th- I wonder if it was still around when you did go when you were younger. But we did get a chance to go to Hollywood, and we even stopped by the McFly residence. I took a picture there. You took one for me, so that's on our Facebook page. If if people go like it, you'll be able to see like the videos and pictures that we posted. But I took a picture in front of the house too, in the middle of the road, where the Delorean takes off uh, at the end of the movie. So Marty goes home, and this is uh, a pretty pretty big scene where we meet the McFlies. First off, we meet George and uh, his supervisor Biff, who is um, you know kind of kind of a jerk, right? He mm-hmm. borrowed their car. And he wrecks it because he was drinking and driving. So we meet them. What do you think about Biff?
0: Uh, He looks sleazy.
1: Sleazy. What do you think about the way he's talking to George and, you know, knocking on his head and slapping him in the face when he's like, your shoes untied?
0: It's just like high school. Like, even (laughs) (laughs) even if you don't know, like, what happens in the movie, you understand that the relationship that George and Biff have right now in the current 1985, it's... It's just like a high school relationship between a bully and a nerd.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. What do you think is, uh, is going through Marty's head? You know, watching this,
0: probably the same thing that always goes through his head. You know, it's the same thing as last time.
1: Yeah. So it's uh what? What's new? Right? Because he's not he's not like defending his dad or anything. He's just standing there watching, basically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So we we find out that George is basically a pushover. He's very passive, and uh, Biff just uh, basically controls him. Uh, in the next scene, the McFly's are having dinner. We meet Lorraine, Dave, the older brother, and Linda, the, the older sister. And here, Lorraine, she made a cake, and she says that uh, th- you know all the kids are going to have to eat it because her uh, younger brother, their uncle, did not make parole. So Uncle Jailbird Joey is what they call him. But uh, what do you think about the McFly's and the mom, Lorraine?
0: I don't know. It was very interesting watching them. It just... It- Bothered me looking
1: at them. <laughs> Did you notice what uh, Dave was wearing? A fast food restaurant. I don't remember if it was McDonald's or Burger King, but it it kind of looks like a McDonald's uniform. I don't know if uh, they ever say. But basically, Dave takes the bus to a fast food restaurant that he works at. Linda, uh, she, what, boys call her or something, and, and her mom doesn't like it? Or am I mixing that up with uh, later on in the future?
0: I think it's the same, but except later on in the future, she's okay with it.
1: Yeah, but uh, Lorraine does give some backstory. You know, gives gives a little uh, exposition. Talks about how her and George met. You know, George got hit by uh, her dad, and she felt sorry for him. And they went to the uh, fish under the sea dance, which I think is what Linda calls it. And Lorraine uh, corrects her, it's enchantment under the sea dance. So that's where they kissed and, you know, decided that uh, they will be together forever. Um, what do you think of George right here, just watching the TV and just kind of not paying attention? Do you like his laugh? It's such a weird laugh. It's kind of a goofy laugh, yeah? It's a goofy guy. Yeah. Um, so Marty is woken up in the middle of the night, uh, I think it's like 1228, Where do- when Doc calls... And, you know, wants to make sure that he's still on his way to the mall. So we get to Twin Pines Mall, and this is a mall that you and I have visited. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent about at least five minutes driving around the parking lot just uh, messing around and giving a fake tour. Uh, but it was kind of cool being there, yeah? Yeah. see. So we parked and walked over to where, um, you know, Marty Skateboard's down to the, the driveway of the uh, of the mall, and so I get to reenact a couple different scenes. That was really cool, kind of surreal. And uh, we noticed that Marty's standing next to the Twin Pines Mall sign. It's 1.16 a.m. when he arrives. He walks over to Doc's um, truck, which is in the middle of the parking lot, and the DeLorean comes out of it. What did you think about the the uh, entrance and reveal of the DeLorean?
0: Very dramatic. Um, it's obviously very iconic for people nowadays to see that roll out. It's still memorable, though. What do you think of the license plate at a time? I wonder how Doc did that.
1: Well, all you got to do is go to the DMV and request it. It's
0: an interesting license plate, but it doesn't last long.
1: And do you know the story about what the original time machine was before they decided to go to DeLorean? In Back to the Future
0: franchise or Uh in general? Was it going to be like an outhouse or something? No,
1: (laughs) Close. A refrigerator. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and you know it was supposed to be uh, um, take place in like I think New Mexico or Nevada or something like that. So we we meet Doc. He comes out of the DeLorean, and I know some people have an issue with like why is he in the DeLorean parked inside the truck? But we know his remote control, so this doesn't really this isn't like a great explanation. But he maybe remote controlled himself into the vehicle. He could have driven in, but I don't know why he'd be just sitting in the inside of the vehicle. I, I'm not exactly sure. But, uh, to be honest, if you think too much about this movie, then you're probably not going to enjoy it as much as other people. I mean, it, it is a movie about time travel. But, um, yeah, I really dig the DeLorean. It's a great look. Uh, again, just like his inventions, they look like they're homemade that he built it in his garage. So, um, Marty is there to videotape everything that is going on. You know, Doc is given the explanation. He tells Marty the complete story of how he came up with the flux capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible. Um, So we get all this exposition right here. And we also find out that Doc was hired by the Libyans to create a bomb for them. But he he instead took their plutonium uh, for like news pinball machine parts or something like that. Uh, what do you think about the... Would you have any thoughts about this entire scene like leading up to the Libyans coming?
0: Uh, it's really astounded me that Doc would go to um, such a very idiotic risk to do that to the Libyans, to just put pinball machine parts inside something and call it a bomb.
1: Yeah, it's risky. It's, it's definitely risky. Uh, but I, I think the man is so eccentric, and he's willing to put his life on the line to... You know make this uh, discovery and breakthrough you know it's it's got to be pretty exciting but yeah he's a man of science right he would risk his life for for science um i i think the only other thing that really happens here is einstein traveling into the future do you remember when the first time you saw that happen like what what you might have thought like did, did you do you think that uh einstein exploded
0: i think when i saw that it was more of a hmm, moment
1: okay so, Doc sends Aini into uh, one minute into the future and is very successful and then the uh, they you know this is where there's more filming with uh the plutonium here in the plutonium chamber, and they're all in radiation suits, and Doc is you know, putting a suitcase into the car and is about to embark on his own journey and this is when the Libyans show up they're obviously upset Doc doesn't know how. They found him, but they did, and ends up shooting Doc. So Marty escapes and starts uh, speeding away in the DeLorean. What do you think about him saying the see of You bastards can do 90?
0: Uh, I thought it was stupid because all he's doing is driving in circles. Like, what are you going to do if they have a rocket launcher and guns? What's your plan? Yeah,
1: yeah, he's driving in circles in the parking lot. He doesn't even exit out into a regular street. But, I mean, not so long ago, Doc just said that, you know, once you hit, hit 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious stuff, you know. So, Marty going 90. What what that tells me is that, look, it's just adrenaline. He's not really thinking. For him to say that out loud was a little kind of questionable. But I just feel that uh, he's just trying to get away. And maybe if they didn't say, if, if they took out the line, let's see if you bastards can do 90, I think it would have just worked a little bit better. But still a great scene nonetheless it's uh, very very tense you know you don't know what's gonna happen, so Marty shows up in nineteen fifty five and runs into a barn uh Doc had mentioned that before the the mall was built that it was uh the Peabody's farm, and the man was into breeding trees so uh you're familiar with Sherman and Mr. Peabody, the cartoon. Not exactly. Not exactly. Okay, so a, a dog and a little boy who time travel. Uh, the Peabody family, th- that's, that's the, the, the running joke there. The little boy, his name is Sherman, which you, you don't know unless you see the credits. So that's where uh, those names come in. And um, Sherman, he says that, well, they, they see Marty and the DeLorean inside the barn. Do you notice which way the DeLorean was facing? Backwards. Backwards. The opposite way he actually goes in. And because the DeLorean has gull wing doors, it opens up like a spaceship. And uh, Sherman's got this comic that says, like, Tales from Space, you know, Man from Pluto or something like that, which was actually the title that uh, some executive wanted to call this movie. He didn't think that Back to the Future would work. And so Steven Spielberg wrote him a letter saying, oh, you know, we heard what you want to call this. That's a great joke. We ha- all had a good laugh about it. And the executive was so embarrassed that everyone was laughing at it that he played along. It was like, oh yeah, you know, okay. So they went back to back to the feature. Do you think if the title was A Man from Pluto or the Space Man from Pluto, do you think this movie would have worked?
0: No, <laughs> definitely
1: not. Well, he doesn't come from Pluto. Is one thing. So I don't know. You know, it doesn't even that that title alone doesn't even say anything about um, time travel. So Mr. Peabody grabs his shotgun and starts shooting at Marty because uh, he's mutating into human form. Uh, Marty gets away and runs over one of his pine trees. So we'll put a pin in that because that's going to come back later. Marty hides uh, the DeLorean and then goes to Hill Valley and starts looking around. Uh, what did you think about the nineteen fifty-five version of Hill Valley Square?
0: It was very super clean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it looked like nothing bad really happened there. That it was just this peaceful, peaceful community.
1: Gas was nineteen and a half cents when it was a dollar and nine in nineteen eighty-five.
0: And it's like $3 now. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. So gas prices goes up, unfortunately. Uh, So Marty goes into uh, Lou's cafe. And he uses the phone book, tries to call Doc Brown, which is uh, the number he found in the book. And was was unsuccessful. Couldn't get through. So he tears out a page and um, asks Lou where this location, you know, where the address is. Because some of the street names have changed. And so Lou tells him. And Marty orders, well, he, he originally he wants a Pepsi free. And there's that running joke that everybody knows about. But uh, ends up getting, I think we discussed, and it was a coffee, probably a cup of coffee. And so he's sitting there. Biff comes in, McFly, thought I told you never to come in here. And then Marty realizes that he's been sitting next to his dad the entire time. How would you feel if you were Marty, turned around and realized that it was me, at your age, sitting next to you?
0: I would take it as an op- opportunity to say what's up, you know, I'd just yeah. be like,
1: hey, I'm your son from the future.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't come out and say it, but I just kind of kind of probably do what Marty does to um, George and just kind of follow you around see what you do. So if, if that were to happen with you, what alias would you go by? Let's see. It would have been when you were my age, it would have been what year?
1: 1993? Uh no ninety three I was ten no, 90, so you're fifteen so what ninety seven or something like that ninety uh yeah about ninety eight or so okay um uh, I don't even think if you know who who was popular around that time I mean because Calvin Klein is clothing you know right is a the brand clothing brand Mac Elmore Mac Lemore? he was not around yet exactly. Oh, right. See, I was thinking the opposite way. Okay, so you would have gone with Mac Lamore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I, I can dig it. Um. So, yeah, he realizes he's been sitting with his dad the whole time. He sees Biff, and then they basically have the exact same exchange they did earlier in the movie, except for they're talking about homework instead of a work report. So, mm. some things haven't changed in 30 years. We also get to see a little bit of Biff's goons. There's three guys. Did you recognize any of those? Any of them? No. Uh one of them is Billy Zane who played uh the main bad guy in Titanic, so I don't know if you can kind of picture him, but
0: well, I mean you know the main bad guy was an iceberg uh
1: well for uh, for the ship it was but for Leonardo's uh character, the bad guy was cal oh yeah kate winslet's um the the girl uh the actress who played rose it was it was her fiance. Mm-hmm. yeah, so Marty points out to George that you're George McFly, which you know George already knew. And then we get to meet Goldie Wilson as a young man uh, working at this uh, this cafe. Uh, what do you think of Mayor Goldie Wilson?
0: He looked exactly the same as when he was in
1: 1985, but without a mustache. Yeah, I think the expression is uh, black don't crack. <laughs> you know, kind of like how Asians don't age. Mm. So it's a thing. Um, but, you know, obviously it's uh, in 1985, he's got like slight, you know, a little bit of makeup, you know, to, to make him look a little bit older. But Marty gives him the idea to go to night school and become mayor. Uh, so giving him little tips of the future there. And then um, I like to exchange with him and Mr. Carruthers, which is Lou, who owns a cafe, right? And uh, Lou's like a colored mayor. That would be the day. And Goldie Wilson's like, you wait and see, Mr. Carruthers. I will be mayor. I'm going to be the uh, most powerful man in Hill Valley, and I'm going to clean up this town. Good. You can stop by sweeping the floor. So I just really like that exchange there. Uh, The lady in the back there, it was really nice seeing her smile because in 1955, I mean, racism was, was still strong. You know, so it was nice to see the little uh funny banter between Lou and Goldie Wilson and then the lady in the background just smiling because it seems like a everyday occurrence for them just you know messing around with each other you know that that he's accepted there at that cafe mm-hmm. so that's what i got out of that uh George leaves and Marty chases after him to find him up in a tree uh bird watching who do you think he's looking at i honestly don't know i think a lot of people think it's Lorraine but you don't think it is i don't think it's lorraine Okay, because I watched it, Um, I, I just did the triple feature on Future Day. Uh, that's why this review is coming out afterwards, because, uh, you know, I was busy around that time. We weren't going to be able to do the review. But watching it again, I remember you thinking that it was a blonde, but it is a brunette. You, But you definitely don't see the face. But just because of where Marty gets hit in front of the house and uh, her dad yelling out in the middle of the street there, she's definitely nearby for sure. So, but I still think it's uh, it was their house. What do you think about Marty getting hit by his grandfather?
0: When uh, you know, the the first initial hit, it's not very hard. You can see him put his hands on the car, but when you when you see him fall down and his head hits the pavement, you can hear it. You can hear it. It's just it's a lot. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I just hear a big crack.
1: Yeah. It. Uh, I I wonder if they added that because it it looks like he really hit his. Uh, The back of his head on the ground, and I've still never been able to see anything like in a commentary or anything that talked about that particular scene, but uh, it looked real, you know. But um, so Marty wakes up, uh, and we see young Lorraine, and this is the scene that plays out in all three movies, obviously. And this is young Lorraine. Uh, Marty thinks that you know he had a nightmare, realizes he woke up in 1955, so Marty wakes up. His mom is young; she's you know thin. And she's coming on to him. If it were you, do you think? How would you think you'd react in comparison to how Marty reacts to his mom? Probably the same way Marty did. Yeah. You don't think you would have uh, left sooner
0: than he did, or? Oh, I would have definitely left sooner than he did. Like I would have asked to,
1: I would have asked to use the bathroom and go out through the window or something. <laughs> yeah. So um, apparently, Lorraine took off his pants. You know, it's sitting over on his hope chest, and she Her. thinks. Her hope chest, and she thinks that his name is Calvin Klein because of the the branding on his underwear uh which you and I've discussed before the stitching is professional, and it's kind of funny that she thinks that maybe he did it himself or somebody stitched it just to make sure nobody steals his underwear you know he's she's got Calvin Klein written in it, so she's coming on to him and he's uh he's obviously uncomfortable being there, and so we get this funny exchange you know and uh, her mom calls from downstairs and tells them down to come and eat. Now we meet the Baines, at least Lorraine's family. Uh, Milton, Sally, and Baby Joey is in the crib. And there, there's a third one. I forgot the... the. There's a third boy. I forgot his name. Bradley. Mm, that doesn't quite sound right. But it's funny because Marty goes over to Baby Joey and says, You, know, you better get used to these bars, kid. You know, and the mom even says, you know, he cries when when they take him out, so they just leave him in there all the time. So it's, you know, calling back to earlier, you know, uh, Lorraine saying that uh, baby Joey or Uncle Jailbird Joey did not make parole again. So it, something throughout his life, he just loves being behind bars. What do you think about the Baines picking Marty's head a little bit? You know, uh, where he talks about seeing the, uh, the TV show where he says it's a rerun and mentioning that they got two TVs. Um, I
0: didn't think too much of it. I just thought that they had a lot of questions and they're very uh Do you think the dad was funny? Judgmental family. Um, yeah, he was a little he was a little funny, but uh I don't know,
1: the movie would have been fine without him. <laughs> well, uh the, I I thought they were pretty funny. Uh the mom, I don't I, I don't You've seen Gremlins, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, the the mom was from Gremlins. Oh, okay. She, yeah, she looks she looks pretty much the same. But uh, Marty has that uh, that page from the phone book that he ripped out earlier, and asks them where is uh, what is that street? Something. something R- riverside. River, yeah, Riverside. 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 And um, so the the dad says it's like a block past Maple, and Marty says that's JFK Drive or whatever, and so they're like, "Whoa, who the hell is JFK?" So Marty just acts weird and leaves, and the dad's like, "Lorraine, you ever have kids like that? I'll disown you," you know. Uh, So that was that was a pretty funny scene. I think it still had a pretty good laugh in the movie theater. You know what I kind of noticed is like the crowd that I was with. It seemed like a lot of them hadn't seen the movie in a long time or they were like really brand new. So um, that was really interesting. So Marty goes over to Doc's place. And so this is uh, the, uh, the scene where, they, where he meets 1955 Doc. And I'm going to condense this, but uh, Marty tells him, Hey, you know, you told me about the story. Here's the story. So I, kn- I know how you came up with the flux capacitor. Um, what, what did you think about meeting 1955 Doc? He's wearing this head contraption that apparently doesn't work. So we see that he's got some inventions that don't quite work. He was very ignorant of
0: Marty, I think, in my opinion. Really wrapped up in all his ideas and all his inventions and everything, not enough to really have a life.
1: Yeah. So Marty presents to him a picture of his siblings, you know, with, with his sister and the brother, and uh, they do notice that with Marty being there, running into his parents, um, he also put a like a wrench in them meeting, right? Because that's when they were supposed to meet and hook up. But Marty's the one that got hit by the car. So now his brother is slowly starting to disappear. Which is weird because you would think that it should start with Marty working up to Dave, right?
0: Probably Dave going down to Marty firstborn.
1: Yeah, so this picture, with it slowly starting to fade away one by one, we got a ticking clock that Marty needs to fix this before they all completely disappear. So Doc obviously didn't didn't believe him at first. But um, you know, convincing him with all these things about the future, Doc's taking it seriously and wants to help him... Took his parents back up, so they get over to the school and it looks completely cleaned up. Obviously, it's thirty years pri- uh, prior, and uh Doc and Marty are just walking willy-nilly in the hallway. Which nowadays it's it'd be really hard to be walking around the the school. Well, first off, you're a student walking around with like a like a really old man like a teacher, you know. uh But but they see George being picked on. He's got the kick me sign, and Doc thinks like, well, maybe you were adopted. Uh, Strickland, you know, still a staff member 30 years before. has got a little bit of hair on the side. So I wonder how old he he was in 55 and then in 85. But they they see Lorraine, and then Marty tries to hook them up in the hallway, which is unsuccessful. But uh, they run into a poster, right? Doc says, you know, there's got to be some kind of rhythmic ceremonial ritual that's coming up, and... Coincidentally, it's the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. So Marty gets the idea, okay, that's what we'll do. We're going to hook them up somehow then. So while at school, Marty tries to talk to George and tries to convince him to ask Lorraine out to the dance. But this is the scene where they're in the lunchroom and uh, Biff is pretty rapey with uh, Lorraine in, in the middle of the lunchroom floor. Uh, what do you think about Biff here in this scene?
0: Um, I was just curious about how he could do that right in the middle of the cafeteria with yeah. everyone around.
1: I wonder if things were just really different there because, like around that time, women, you know, uh, which is sad that they were like second-class citizens, you know, so they weren't treated as equals, obviously. So maybe because it was Biff and he's a man, maybe it wasn't a thing, and they just kind of turned like a blind eye. But Marty tries to uh, to save Lorraine from Biff just because he was getting way too aggressive. George uses that opportunity to leave, and then Marty chases him outside. Then they have that talk, like, look. You know, ask Lorraine, and George is like, no, because uh, I'm, I'm going to miss my favorite uh, TV show, Science Fiction Theater. And so Marty gets this idea that, you know, later on that evening, that he's going to go dressed up as, quote-unquote, Darth Vader. So this one, I think people have seen um, the images of him, like, in that radiation suit. And uh, he plays the uh, the cassette tape for George. What do you think about this whole plan here?
0: Um, Apparently it works. Well, I mean, you know, he—he he, we never really see Marty plan the plan, but you, you see the the outcome of it. It was a very interesting plan. Uh, what struck me odd was when Marty played the Van Halen tape, and you know, George was uh, reacting to it, and it was very loud and everything. You could see George almost trying to reach for the headphones, and you know, if he, if he did, then he could he have taken them off, and you know, Marty's plan just to fail.
1: I don't know fail. But here's the okay so this scene was shortened down the 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 longer scene uh George is reaching for the blow dryer which Marty pulls out on him and then he, I think he turns on t- turns on the blow dryer too so it's hot and then he even hits like George's hand you know like get away don't don't touch this kind of thing so it's, there's an extended scene that kind of plays out a little bit better and explains some of the editing where people are like oh well the blow dryer was on one side of the hip and now it's on the other And people were like, well, where did the blow dryer come from? But it actually came from Doc's suitcase that was also revealed in the deleted scene. So uh, it's a fun scene. But the next morning, George finds Marty, has a change of heart, wants to ask Lorraine out. You know, tells him about Darth Vader and all these things. And then we get the famous scene where uh, George goes inside and tells Lorraine that she's his density, which has become like a Valentine's meme now. Uh, So that's fun. Marty has a little uh, scuff with Biff and then they have the the very first skateboard chase scene. What'd you think about the scene? Do you like it?
0: Oh yeah. I think it's a very iconic scene in the Back to the Future franchise. Um it's very interesting to see it play out in all three movies, you know, uh I think this is probably my second favorite being after the one in the future. The
1: hoverboard. Yeah. Okay. It definitely brings attention to him and everyone watching as it plays out. Uh, it makes Lorraine like him even more. And, uh, yeah, they they were getting really... What do you think they were trying to do? Do you think they were trying to run him over? Were they, like, seriously trying to, like, harm him?
0: Yeah, I think they were.
1: Because they even threw, like, empty bottles at him, like, mm-hmm. f- from from inside the car. So uh, Marty gets away, and then they crash into a manure truck. Was that funny to you?
0: Yeah, it was comical.
1: Yeah. The um, Goldie Wilson runs over to the manure truck and it stank so bad that he has that funny expression on his face. Uh, me and your Uncle Phil, we used to rewind that over and over just because that expression was so funny. Um, Marty gets back to Doc's garage where the uh, DeLorean is hidden. And uh, I guess Lorraine had been following him, stalking him. And she asks that he ask her to the enchantment of the Seance. So we find out that George was unsuccessful in doing so. And he has to do it. Did you catch uh, how Doc was reacting in the background while this is all, all going on? I
0: did. You know, he he looked a little uh, surprised every now and then with his uh, wide-eyed stare. Yeah. I oh, love the um, Christopher Lloyd. I like his the looks he can give, like uh, with, his physical it was, um, comedy. Yeah, with Uncle Fester
1: and everything like that. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Uh, did you also like the scaled miniature of the Hill Valley Square? We, we get that scene in here, too, in mm-hmm. the garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I want to build one myself. It doesn't look too hard uh, to, to do, really. So they got the clock tower and Doc shows Marty, you know, this is how we're going to get you back to the future. So Marty has a talk with George, and they plan out what they're going to do to, to get George and Lorraine to hook up. So Marty is going to be parked in the car with Lorraine, and things are going to happen, and George is supposed to save her from the day. So from here, it's the evening of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. And Doc is uh, setting up the experiment over at the clock tower. We see him running cables and wires. And Marty is inside the cafe and he's writing a letter to Doc explaining what happened right when he uh, went back to the past. Says, do not open until 1985. Do you think this was smart by Marty just writing a letter and saying not to open for like 30 years? (laughs) No. What would you have done?
0: Um, I don't know. Something different, though, because it's very tempting to say don't open until 30 years later. Like, I would have wanted to open that, like,
1: right away. Yeah, unfortunately, Doc is a man of science and doesn't want to know too much of his own destiny. Buzz density. Yeah, well, he he wouldn't uh, mess something like that up. So we cut to the Enchantment Under, Under the Sea dance, and we see a band playing on stage. It's Marvin Berry and the Starlights. The song they're playing is called, like, Night Train. I don't... It might be a real song, I'm not sure, but this is the only time I've ever seen it. We see Marty and Lorraine pull up in the car, and we get to learn some things about Marty. Or, not Marty, but Lorraine. Um, what were some of the differences that you found from what she told us early on compared to what we're learning about her now? First of all, she is, uh, you know, parking in the car with a boy, A.K. Marty. Which she uh, denied doing. Mm-hmm. Ever as a as a girl, young girl.
0: Um, you know, earlier in the movie she followed Marty to Doc's house, which she said she also never would do. Boys or girls chasing boys. Um she is drinking and smoking. That too. Yes. Um but you know, she never denied not doing that when she was younger.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny cuz Marty's like, you know, uh, you shouldn't drink because you will regret it later in life because you may not think so, but uh, the first, 1985, Lorraine, she was a little bit heavier, and that could have been because of, well, age, but also usually Alcoholism. drinking. Yeah, o- over time. But she yeah. was drinking, too. Yeah, you I got that. Yeah, in the present time. So this was very controversial uh, back in the day, but Lorraine gives Marty a kiss, her own son. Uh, what do you think about that? And how do you think you would react if that were to happen to you? Uh, it's so weird. Um... I think what kind of makes it a little bit easier to accept is that she says, it's like kissing my brother. So neither of them enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I don't know what i do in Marty's situation.
1: But isn't it crazy to think that they shopped this to Disney and that's what kind of uh, made Disney turn them down? Mm-hmm. But can you imagine what it would have been like if, uh, if Back to the Future was a Disney property? Now with Star Wars and Marvel and all these things? I mean, you know, it's already a big franchise. I'm sure it can be that much bigger. Yeah. So while Marty and Lorraine were in the car, she notices somebody walking up. So of George, it is Biff. Um, pretty tense scene, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So because of the, uh, the manure crash, uh, that costed Biff $300, which uh, he says he's going to take out of Marty's butt. <laughs> um, and so they have a fight here and Biff tells his guys to take Marty away. And uh, for a moment, I don't know if you caught this, but they were kind of just watching, you know, Biff uh, uh, molest Lorraine, basically. Uh-huh. So his 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 goons also, uh, they're okay with what Biff does, but they take Marty and they throw him in the back of the Starlighter's vehicle, and they are scared off, you know, by these guys because you know they're all black and there's you know double the guys, I think. So Marty's locked in the trunk, and unfortunately, the keys are back there. And so the guys, they have to uh, try to get him out by picking the lock with like with a knife. So we cut to George walking up to the car, you know, doing what he's supposed to be doing. But I don't know if you got this, but he's actually late. He showed up later than he was actually supposed to have been, mm. right? And there's a del- deleted scene where George noticed that it's 9 o'clock, which is the time he's supposed to be out there. He runs to a phone booth, calls the operator and asks what time it is. And while he's in there one of the students the guy that put the uh kick me sign on his back they like i think he put a broom like in the door handle so that way george is locked in the phone booth so that's why george is actually actually late so if that didn't happen i wonder if things would have played out still with marty what do you think
0: yes i think uh something like that would have happened because you know if if george quote unquote knocked out marty like they planned to you know biff could have came to the car Well, Lorraine and George were walking away and still find Marty laying there because, you know, Marty's supposed to be unconscious. And then, you know, Marty just gets the crap uh, kicked out of him there.
1: Yeah. So George tries to punch Biff and Biff grabs his arm and and twists it. And then now did you how did you think that this happened? Because I said that um, George, he clenches his left fist and then punches Biff with that. I believe you said right fist last time. That he punched him with his right fist. Yeah. I if think I you said, said that, that, then yeah, then I was definitely wrong because yeah, because Biff was still holding on his right arm when he swings with his left, mm-hmm. but he connects and knocks Biff out and saves Lorraine. So that happens, and they go back to dancing as you would. And so we see, uh, yeah, Marty being let out of the trunk, and Marvin, the singer, slices his hand, and Mar- uh, Marty. I'm messing up the scene a little bit, but Marty runs over and witnesses George punch out Biff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he goes back and says, you guys need to finish the dance, because this is where they they kiss, and if they don't kiss, they don't dance. If they don't dance, Marty's history. And they said that they'll only continue the dance if Marty knows uh, someone that can play the guitar. So we cut to Earth Angel, and are you familiar with the song? I am not. You're not? Okay, so yeah, we mentioned it before in a previous episode uh, School Ties, because that took place in 1955, and at a school dance they also played Earth Angel. Um, We get a quick scene of Doc noticing that the store's coming, and then we cut back again to the dance, and they're playing Earth Angel. So Marty's picture is still fading away. Uh, All they needed was one more kiss. So Marty's fading away, you know, he's playing the song terribly, and um, you know, the the guy who put the kick-me sign on George's back cuts in with Lorraine. What do you think about this here? Like, George just punched out Biff, and now he almost walks away because some guy wants to cut in with Lorraine. Like, Lorraine obviously, you know, doesn't want to dance with this guy, but he does, like, he turns his back initially. What do you think about that? I didn't think too much of it. I was like, okay. Well, I mean, do you think do you think that was... After George just taking out Biff, like, do you think that was almost, that that was in character, or do you think that was just because the writing they're trying to build the tension, making him like walk away, like, okay, well, you know, I don't know, like, maybe. yeah, I
0: think they're just trying to build tension. It just really bothered me that that happened. I don't know. This scene bothered me in general. It just it really rubbed me the wrong way watching it.
1: With, uh, w- what is it specifically, like, George, or... I don't know, it
0: just, um... You just didn't care for that scene, like, it, no, it just... watching it, just really, it made
1: me mad to watch. Hmm, okay. Um, well, George does come to his senses and saves Lorraine, and then, uh, you know, and, and then we see the picture kind of revert back to its original version, right? So all, all the, uh, the brother and the sister and Marty, they're there again. And... So, yeah, George and Rain kiss, and everything's all good. Now, Marvin, being impressed with how Marty played, says, hey, play another song, which uh, Marty, you know, eventually agrees to and plays Johnny B. Good. Do you like this version of Johnny B. Good? I do like this version of Johnny Be Good.
0: You know, I like this song.
1: Yeah. What do you think about everyone uh, knowing how to dance to it and the band knowing how to play along with it?
0: Well, you know, the band is a professional band. Yeah. You know, they they should know how to keep along with it. Marty told them what to do at the beginning of the song. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's 1955. Everyone knows how to dance, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see Grease? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows how to dance. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we get the joke where Marvin walks off stage and calls his cousin Chuck. You know, so we're supposed to put two and two together. Chuck Berry, uh, you know, comes up with uh, Johnny B. Good. So the NAACP they had a had an issue about the scene because now they're saying Marty, being a white man, gave a black man uh you know the idea for for a rock and roll song so um that didn't go well back in the day but you know it's it's a movie you know Uh, and it's about time travel so come on elvis did the same thing he took a lot of gospel songs and and came out with it and made them popular so after the dance marty's leaving runs into lorraine and george downstairs um what do you think about lorraine thinking marty is such a nice name
0: well, I just thought you know if she thought it was such a nice name, why name your third child, Marty? like why
1: not your first first child? yeah, it's a good point because if you think about it, let's say let's say Marty wasn't Calvin Klein wasn't that uh had that much of an impact in her life, you know the one week that they knew each other, and then they had, uh her and George have Dave, and then I don't know how many years later until they have Marty when she decides you know what Marty i Forgot about that. That's a great name. Let's, let's name our third child, Marty. Uh, do you think you'd remember somebody 30 years later after only knowing them for a week?
0: You know, if they helped me
1: with the person I married, maybe. So, George, you think would remember him? Yes, especially
0: because Marty was such a big help in getting them together.
1: And what about Lorraine?
0: Probably not Lorraine. Well, actually... Because you know, all she did was have an infatuation with him.
1: Well, not only that, but like uh, he did, you know, her dad hit him. I, I think that's something that you'd remember. You know, if your dad actually ever hit somebody with a car. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. So yeah, they, they probably would remember him. So we see Doc. Uh, he's very concerned that Marty is not going to be there on time, but does show up. So when Marty shows up, and this is really important uh, to me at least... Marty shows up tells Doc, "Hey, my old man uh, laid out Biff with one punch or something like that. You know, he's never stood up uh stood up to him a day in his life." And then Doc looks off um, you know, just kind of out of nowhere is like, "Ever?" You know, and then Marty's like, "What? What's wrong?" You know, and he's like, "No, don't worry about it." So for me at that point, he told me that Doc is thinking, "Okay, that was a big change in in character for George." And that's not going to ruin anything. So maybe Doc may consider reading that letter now, you know, knowing that that Marty changed how George will be his, uh, you know, him, his brother and sister still exist in the future. You, you get what I'm trying to ask? Yeah. Yeah. So I found that really important because some people were still wondering, like, well, you know, he didn't want to know too much about his destiny. Yet he tapes up that letter later on in the movie. So that's why I'm explaining that now. So, well, th- you know, he says, what the hell? He does say what the hell, but I feel that that's the the pivotal scene there. That that explains why, you know what I mean. Instead of just saying what the hell, but but at that point, I think that's when Doc kind of like considered it. You know what? Maybe it will be okay. But he uh, he does find the letter in his pocket, and uh, he tears it up as the lightning strikes, hits the tree, and knocks out the cable. Not all at the same time. What, what? What? Not. What do you mean? Well, you said he finds the letter right as
0: the lightning strikes the tree falls down yeah
1: this all happens in this scene yeah. and so so now doc has to get up there we get that famous scene where he's up there marty has to go uh uh drive the car down to the starting point and so we get all of this you know i'm not going to go into too much too much detail but 1004 lightning strikes marty gets away did you have an issue with marty um the alarm clock starting and marty being stalled in the car like uh, and, and, and him still getting there on time, because again, just you know, more tension. You know, oh oh no, he's not gonna make it. But for me, I feel like the only reason he made it is because he stepped on the gas more. You know, um, but also earlier in the movie, Doc mentioned that he's never really built anything that works. So for him to see the DeLorean from 1985 works, it kind of, I don't know if that gave him like a more like more of a motivation to kind of perfect things a little bit more. But, for me, I just feel like Doc's calculations was still a little bit off you know in nineteen fifty five and that's why uh you know, even with the alarm clock going off and then Marty starting late and him making it, it works for me. I know some people have an issue with that, but you don't have an issue. you're just fine with it. I'm fine with it, okay, I don't question things. What do you think about the uh Doc hanging from the clock and all that scene there?
0: It's a very tense scene, you know you don't know if he's gonna fall or not um. Does it make
1: you want a zip line from the clock tower? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that looks really fun. Uh, so yeah, Marty, you know, strikes the or hits the line at the right time as the lightning strikes and the uh, DeLorean goes back to the future. So a thing with the scene, some people are like, Oh, well, the clock strikes exactly at ten oh four, like, you know, there's there's fifty nine seconds in a minute. Or is it sixty? Sixty. In one minute? Yes. Well, I guess he's got 59 seconds once it hits 10.04, right? So once it hits 10.04, he's got 59 seconds while 60. it's still 10.04. 60. No, because on the 60th second, it would be 10.05. You see what I'm saying? So people 60. people are saying there's 59 seconds that it's still 10.04. 60. No, it's not 60 because when it's 10.04.00, it doesn't go 10.04.60 and then oh01 01 at 10.05. Some clocks do but that's an extra second though. No no clock counts to 60 because once it's 59 it goes zero-zero, and then it's the next minute. Well, I've seen a clock do it. Okay, anyway. So, is there he got 59 seconds while it's still 10:04. For me, like the cables are really really thick. I feel that Doc probably used the right cables that act like a as a conductor that can harness the 1.21 gigawatts from the lightning. And so even if it if it's stroke at a certain second, that the the power is still harnessed in the cable. So that's kind of my explanation for it. Um, Because I know some people are like, well, that's, you know, that that 1004, there's a whole, let's go with 60 seconds, as you say, that uh, the lightning struck. So it's just a coincidence that he happens to hit it precisely at the same time. But that's just my explanation. So Marty goes to the future, um, car stalls, and he sees the Libyans drive by. And he's got 10 minutes to make it. But when he gets to the mall, we see that he's standing next to the sign that says Lone Pine Mall. So Easter egg there, we see the uh, the time change because he ran over the uh, pine tree earlier. Mm-hmm. So now Marty sees Doc get shot for the second time. you have any thoughts on that? Kind of heartbreaking, huh?
0: It would be heartbreaking if you knew the relationship they had together. Like other than that one week they spent together, you
1: don't know how long they've actually known each other for. I do, only because the comic book has come out <laughs> mm. <laughs> that, that explains how they met. Um, and that I will be reviewing with Alby on the uh, Back to the Future animated series podcast. Okay, so he, Marty, witnesses himself traveling back to the past again. So he, we see that from another point of view. Um, and then he goes to Doc, who's laying there on the floor, and the Libyans crashed into the Kodak kiosk there, the film, uh, the film developing station. And then Doc wakes up shows him the letter all taped together and reveals that uh, that he was wearing a bulletproof. Now, why do you think Doc doesn't say anything until he says, what the hell? Or, I figured, what the hell? Like, the, the entire time Marty was saying, you know, how did it happen, all these things? I don't
0: know. It added a little bit of uh, mysteriosity. Is that a word? To Doc. It, it is now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boom.
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know. It just made Doc seem a little bit more mysterious.
1: Yeah, I thought it was weird that he never said anything until he says, I figured, what the hell, but, you know, it's fine. So, Doc drops Marty off back at the house, and he says he's going to go 30 years into the future. And Marty goes inside, wakes up, uh, what, what do you think of the way he sleeps in bed? Yeah, I didn't think too much of it. Yeah, he looks comfortable, I guess. I've slept that way before. It's yeah, very, you nice. you have. You you look like that when you fall asleep in the car, actually, your mouth <laughs> open. And, you know, I, I take pictures sometimes. It's very comfortable. <laughs> so Marty wakes up, and he's uh, walking into the living room. And uh, you didn't catch this before, but he has one of those bubble-padded yellow envelopes. And I mentioned that I think that's—well, I probably read it somewhere, so I don't want to take the credit. You know, I read somewhere that that's his demo tape. So he he's decided that he's going to actually mail that in to one of the record labels so he's uh, definitely trying to step up his game but while he's in the living room he notices uh, his brother and sister are having breakfast his brother's in a suit so things have changed for the McFly's right do you think they've gotten richer I mean as far as their appearance their lifestyle has definitely changed but do you think they're richer
0: Oh yeah, especially since Tabe doesn't work at you know a fast food restaurant. He works in
1: an actual business, goes to an
0: office. You know, Linda doesn't look like she's a clown stuffed with makeup. She actually looks presentable. The furniture doesn't look bad; it looks very nice. You know, very clean inside the house. Um, his parents uh, play tennis. Clean up. Mm-hmm. You know, dad with the aviators and everything. His mom is thinner,
1: mm-hmm, so she you know, probably doesn't drink. A few nice cars in the driveway. BMW. Yep. Now. Um, do you think that they're richer, they should be living in a different neighborhood? I, I've heard some people say, well, they got more money. Why are they still living at Lion Estates?
0: Well, because, you know, mm. Lion Estates, that's not a bad neighborhood. Not I don't until, think so
1: either. Not until
0: later in the future, at least.
1: Right. So that was my thing, too. I'm like, well, I don't think Lion Estates is a bad neighborhood. I mean, they're inside their house, obviously, it looks a lot nicer. So how much richer could he be? You know what I mean? He's an author. I'm not knocking on authors that they don't make a lot of money. But his book, A Match Made in Heaven, is probably his first novel, is it Space. A Match Made in Space. But doesn't Lorraine say that it's his first novel? Yeah. I mean, he's probably written like smaller stuff that was kind of published, but this is his first novel. So I, I don't think he's got that much more money. Not yet. But The Family but is a little bit more successful. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, because, you know, uh, if you read that newspaper article, it says something like, you know, it's... It's already going to have a remake or something by Robert Zemeckis. And, um, <laughs> you know, it must be wildly successful because that's what, you know, it's obviously what it says, you
1: know. Um, yeah,
0: it definitely does good later in the future, at least.
1: So Biff is now, uh, he's got his own auto detailing place and he is uh, waxing their car. What do you think about Biff not working for them, but they hiring Biff to, to wax their cars for them?
0: I don't think they just hired Biff to wax the cars for them, you know. He
1: might just be the local guy.
0: No, it seemed different. Like you know, he, he comes in their house uninvited, you know, and accepts their packages and stuff. Yeah. And it's it's really weird. I, it I seems I like he's he's it.
1: over more often than than he actually should be. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that, and then we also see that Marty ended up getting his truck that he wanted, um, which is cool. And then the movie ends with Doc showing up, traveling uh, back from the future. He's wearing really weird clothes and says that uh, they need to go, you know, to the future. Something's got to be done with the kids. And the movie ends on a joke. Uh, again, they had no intentions on making a sequel, but the the car converts into a, a hovercraft and takes off in the air and you know travels into the future. Uh, what do you think about the, the ending of that scene?
0: I just uh, oh, that's that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the ending, uh, it does end like that, but they didn't have to be continued until the home releases. But would you have thought that th- there was a sequel you know, based on the ending alone?
0: Yeah, I would have I thought so. You know, they wouldn't they went have teased you like that and be like, all right, well, we're going to go somewhere else now, you know, with Doc and some really quote-unquote futuristic 2015-looking clothes, they wouldn't, have, uh, they wouldn't have done that if they weren't intending to do a sequel or something.
1: Yeah, the story is that um, uh, Michael J. Fox watched the movie at home and saw that they added to be continued. and was like, wait a minute, they're doing a sequel? No one's called this. And so he had to call the studios to find out that it was just a joke. Uh, but yeah, they eventually did the sequels, which we will be releasing and reviewing ourselves. Um, but yeah that's the end of the movie do you want to give it a rating
0: uh 4.5 it was a it was a very good movie um you know were just some scenes that made me question some stuff and you know the more you overthink the movie the less you would really fully enjoy the experience of back to the future but all in all it was a very good movie um, second favorite out of the series following the back to the future part two no no kidding um it was very very good though
1: okay so uh, I'm gonna give it a five and here's the thing I've Told many many people this, but to me, it is not three movies. It is one big saga because they all continue into each other. There's no break in between uh, the sequels, you know. So to me, it's one big saga. That's why it's called Back to the Future Part One, Part Two, Part Three. But the first one is definitely a five. I think it's perfect. Obviously, there's you know little plot holes here and there. There's a lot of movies that have that, you know, that are also like people's top ten. But this is my number one movie of all time. You know, uh, I just I just I just love this movie. Obviously, I've you know released many many episodes on this uh, podcast. You know that is Back to the Future themed. You know so our review of Part Two will be released on November fifth, twenty fifteen. So in between there again I'll have some more bonus episodes related to Back to the Future. So the Back to the Future talk is not ending at this point. It won't it won't until after Part Three, which you know then you and I will go into regular movies again. But um. If you want to keep updated with our latest content, please visit followingfilms.com. You can also find other podcasts such as War Machine vs. War Horse, Pop Culture Case Studies, True Bromance Film Podcast, and also Following Films Podcasts. Uh, please visit courttemparts.com for my other podcast called We Got Five, which I do with Devon. And also other shows as Talking Shondaland and That Pop This Life. Uh, Also on following films I forgot to mention are uh, my other show that I do with Mike, uh, Original Remake, where we cover original movies with its remakes. And also, the newly launched Back to the Future, the animated series podcast. Uh, I do that with Albie, again, from the Quantum Leap podcast, who was on recently to review Back in Time. So please give us a like on our Facebook page to keep updated with everything. Uh, Follow, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, If you want to email in, hlfpodcast at gmail.com twitter and instagram at hlf podcast so until the next episode i'm dr peter l brown
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm mac (laughs) lamore
1: all right Uh, we'll see you in the future okay i'm here with
2: emily else
1: Emily, so we just got done watching the first Back to the Future. You work here at the theaters. Yes, I do. When did you become a fan of Back to the Future?
2: Okay, so I've heard a lot about it, and it's always been around since I've been growing up and stuff. So I recently bought the movie uh last black friday because i've heard so many good things about it and i watched uh the first two i haven't watched the third one yet but it was so good i love like old movies like that and i thought it was really cool that it took place in 2015 as well
1: what are some of your favorite scenes from the first movie
2: My favorite scenes are probably when Marty McFly first comes in contact with his mom in the past because I thought it was really hilarious. Mm. So, And it's just like an awkward situation to be in and just watching that happen and watching them like interact with each other, so it was just really funny.
1: Did you know Michael J. Fox um, originally was not in the movie? Really? Yeah, they first wanted him. They couldn't get him because he was doing a television show. And they got this other guy, and they shot a couple months of footage and decided to go back to Michael J. Fox, who was now available.
2: Oh, yeah, he was doing another TV show at the time. And then, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: Any other thoughts about the movie? Well, you showed me a picture of you dressing up. What was that about?
2: Oh, that was just kind of for my Halloween costume, and I um, it wasn't la- like last minute or anything. I've been wanting to do that for a while, but I thought it would be really cool to like take pictures in it and then post it on October twenty first. So I don't know. I thought it'd be kind of cool.
1: It is cool. Okay, so we'll go in. We'll watch two, and I'll talk to you again after. All right. All right. Cool.